Hello and welcome to Downsizing, the show that's a little salty, a little sweet, but mostly a little salty. I'm your host, the bipedal beluga, Tim Down. Right off the bat, gang, I'm going to let you in on something, uh, a little behind the scenes on the the Downsizing podcast. Most of what this episode is going to be for me is just trying not to talk like Seinfeld. I just watched like four episodes in a row and it's taking every ounce of willpower that I have to not just talk like him the whole time. It's, it's real easy to fall into. I mean, you just have to make kind of a mundane observation, maybe a little bit of a pun, a little bit of a tongue in cheek, you know, whatever, whatever you want, you know, it's tough. So that's what I'm struggling with. I don't mean to, you know, this episode's not sponsored by Bell Let's Talk, but I'm still going to let you in on my uh, my personal struggles. Um, speaking of, I'm uh, maintaining uh, a portly 266 pounds. Didn't lose any weight, but I feel pretty good about it this week. I, uh, I went to the gym twice, went for a run today. Plan to go to the gym tomorrow. You know, we're uh, we're keeping things going, and I do feel like I'm getting uh, a little slimmer. You know, I've always had well, not always, but recently I've developed some slappable calves. My thighs are getting a little thinner. I feel like my right arm is noticeably smaller than my left arm now, which I don't know. I did just watch the contest episode of Seinfeld, so you know, make whatever jokes you will. It's because of the forklift at work, for the record. But, you know, figured I'd beat you all to the punch. Um, so, yeah, it's been going pretty good. Um, I didn't think I was going to go to the gym as much as I did because, or as much as I have because, you know, it's a book ahead. I'm generally, you know, pretty unmotivated. But I've gone a couple times, and... You know, I mainly go on the treadmill and then do like two or three of the machines. But the problem is because, you know, I don't really work out as, as we all know, you know, long-time listeners, uh, know that short-term listeners probably have gathered that by this point. Um, so I don't really know how much I can lift So what ends up happening is, you know, from my P90X days, I learned, you know, if you're looking to build muscle, it's uh, 8 to 10 reps. If you're looking to tone muscle, it's uh, 12 to 15. So I usually go with the 8 to 10. So what I end up doing is I'll do like, you know, 10 reps of one weight and I'll go, oh, that's, that's too light. That was too easy. And so I up it by like, you know, 20 or 30 pounds. And then I'll do five reps and then I just can't bend my arm anymore. And I'm like, huh, I guess, uh, uh, I guess that was a little too much. And then I'll look around and I'll see like, you know, you have like the double bicep curl one, see people using just one hand. And I'm like, golly, that looks like somebody that knows what they're doing, you know? And like half the machines, I'm not even sure, like, I did this um, shoulder press one. I was like adjusting the seat 
you know, cause to try and get, figure out what height was comfortable for me. And when I got up, I looked and it was like, almost like, it was basically like six inches off the ground. And I'm like, well, there's, there's no way I did that right. There's uh, <laughs> I don't think so. And there's like, I saw, there's a, there's a ton of people that have those like, um, there's like powerlifting belts, like the leather belt, you know, that goes around your, your waist, you know, I mean, I'm just going to do it. Where do you get those belts? Uh, where do you buy them? You don't buy them at Mark's, you don't buy them at Moore's. The belt that doesn't keep your pants up. Do they sell them at the gym? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know. I think the only reason I th- I've heard the only reason why people wear them is so you can like flex your abs, you know, and it, I guess that helps you lift, lift heavier weights. But I mean, based on my own life experiences, I feel like they'd just be a, you know, a tool in helping me shit my pants at the gym. You know, I mean, we learn one thing's uh, thing on this podcast. It's uh, <laughs> I shit my pants as an adult. Oh boy, we're uh, we're already coming off the rails here, folks. Um, aside from going to the gym, I've also uh, gone for a couple runs. And um, you know, when I say I go for runs, you might picture I don't know what you picture, but. Um, I got to say it I almost feel like I'm being more athletic right now just sitting on the couch. I mean, I, there was a time where you know, I felt like I was good at running or you know, competent at running, whichever the case may be. But now, I mean, it's really like I'll just give you, I'll I'll just, I'll just tell you, give you a sense of where I'm at, uh, physically. Um, just now before she went to bed, uh, I recently, um, procured a copy of Nacho Libre, the, uh, Jack Black vehicle. And, uh, there's a picture of him on the cover. You can, you can look it up. And she, she looked at me and she looked at that and she goes, Oh, you guys are about the same body type, which, you know, is what it is, you know? She's not wrong. Um, I think you might even be a little bit thinner than me. That's again, that's the funniest fucking thing. There's all these characters on TV or in movies are like, oh, like that kid, oh, he's like the fat guy. Like season one, Tony Soprano, George Costanza, you know, uh, Jack Black. These guys are all dudes that I'm like, damn, that guy looks trim. That guy, look at that guy. That guy's like George Costanza straight up has a good body. I've talked about it before on the show, but he's he's, he's boxy, but in a good way, he's built like a, like a tall mini fridge, you know, I mean, I might as well just make it this episode, the Seinfeld episode, because I keep, <laughs> I keep circling back to it, um, yeah, so, like I mentioned last week, I've started working from home, it's, uh, I'm not going to say what company it is, because, I'm pretty sure I signed something saying that I'm not allowed to. I mean, not so much, but I'm pretty sure 
they're like, if you mention the company in any way, you have to men- make sure it's favorable and, and all this stuff. And so I'm going to cover my bases and just not even mention it. Um, but I'm working from home. And I don't really know how to describe what I do. I mean, it's it feels very much like a an office type job, you know, where you're just clicking on stuff and typing in numbers and answering emails and it's weird. It's really weird. And I was reading through, you know, they make you do all the the safety training, like the health and safety stuff for the office, which like is just kind of funny to me because my old work environment, the health and safety stuff actually mattered because, you know, you have, you know, heavy stuff and machinery and, you know, all this stuff where there's actual hazards, but it's like in an office, they're like, um, make sure that if you're going to get something that's high on a shelf, don't stand on your desk or your chair, get a step ladder. If there's a spill, make sure you put on, put a wet floor sign. It's like, I mean, anywhere, any work environment where you can wear loafers and khakis, I feel like there's not that many hazards, but one thing that I did read that made me just like, uh, it made me feel very much like I'm in a, a corporate environment is about the dress code, which I mean, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but it's like, there's like two things that were like unisex and then like 15 things that were specific to women. So I'm pretty good as far as that goes. Like don't have to worry too much. But one of the things they did say is that jeans are not allowed, except on casual Friday. Yeah, I work in a casual Friday place now. And I mean, jeans being considered casual or like informal. I mean, listen, in my old job, I literally wore overalls and band shirts so this is a real you know i feel like i'm wearing like one of those puffy blue tuxedos to like the met gala but not in a fashionable way you know not an ironic like oh that's like haute couture it's like oh no this is just the only suit i had which i actually only i think i do have one suit and i'm pretty sure it only fits me when i'm fat so should have thought that one through um, but yeah, and I mean, also in my old job, I was, if I stayed there for another couple months, there's a really good chance that I would have started wearing a kilt to work. Not like a, not a formal kilt, not a tartan kilt, but you can buy kilts that are like made out of what I imagine is the same material as like Carhartt shorts. You know, they have pockets there, you know whatever they're your your tactical kilt and uh i was really legitimately looking into buying them but they're pretty expensive and also like that's that's another level i already looked pretty insane because i have like long hair and overalls so to just show up in a kilt is just a you know especially for people that don't know me if there's just like new cashiers that are like 18 and see me swearing walking around with long hair and a kilt it's like <laughs> It's a rough look. It's a rough first impression to get past. You know what I mean? Like that's your your first impression turns into a reputation pretty quick, if you know what I mean. Um, actually, I do have one hazard 
uh, now that I'm working from home. And that is my cat. Because technically, my office is, well, it was his bedroom before it was my office. Um, so I am technically in his territory, but especially in the mornings, he is a bit fucking insane. He, uh, he likes to climb up your leg, but he does this really cool thing where he'll jump. He'll sink his claws into your knee and his like back feet into your shin and he'll just kind of hang out there, you know, like he's belaying. He's looking for a new hold, but he's, you know, digging into your flesh. And then he'll just hop up and then climb up on your shoulder. And, you know, he redeems himself by, you know, being cute and rubbing his face into your face and licking you. But then he tries to bite my headphone wires and then, you know, bite my thumb and my, you know, chin and nose. So that's uh, that's another, that's another debacle. I've had to arm myself with a bunch of like toys on my desk that I can just throw. So he stops trying to bite my feet or, you know, slip my throat, presumably. Because I don't know. Anyone who has cats will tell you, you know, they're really cute, but then all of a sudden you're just playing with them and you see their pupils dilate and you're like, oh, I'm going to get swatted. Just right in the face. And he also smells like fish now, which he didn't before. And he also doesn't eat fish, so... I don't know what that's about, you know, but yeah, at the moment, my, my home office setup is a, a little bit, a little bit busted. Um, I'm at my girlfriend's desk because I, I've really dragged my feet as far as getting like a, a desk of my own. Um, and I don't have an office chair, so I'm sitting in a wooden kitchen chair with a blanket on it which of course means that my back is fucked like it's gonna be fucked for sure um so you know i went to ikea the other day because i was like you know what it's it's time i'm just gonna buy a desk i'm gonna buy a chair and get it over with so i went through found a desk that i really liked i was like this one's this one's a nice combination of uh you know modern but you know classic or mid-century you know and found a chair that I sat in and I was like oh this is actually quite comfortable this feels very ergonomic as they say in the biz and so I walked all the way through Ikea the winding fucking you know Chris uh, the the labyrinth of Ikea the Swedish labyrinth and then I got to I should have known because they didn't have a location for where to find them in the, the warehouse area, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark section of Ikea. And so I get there and I look and can't find them anywhere. So I go to the computer and I look up the desk, which was the Antelofna or whatever it was. And it said out of stock. And I was like, fuck, fucking Ikea. And then I looked up the chair, the Hatterfjall. That was out of stock too. And so I just said, fuck it. And I walked out. I, I fucking Ikea. I cannot stand Ikea. I mean, they have one showroom where I don't know who it's, 
who it's supposed to be for, but there's like, it's, I think it's supposed to appeal to like a guy whose personality is like 40% having a beard, but there's like, you know, it's all like gray paint on the walls and like dark wood, but then in the bathroom, there's like a barber's chair. It's like, who the fuck has a barber's chair in their own bathroom? You know, like, I, I don't know what, I don't know how Swedish people live or if this is just their idea of how North Americans live, but I don't know. I don't trust the Swedes. And I mean, <laughs> half the time I say the Swiss instead of the Swedes anyway, so I'm sure they're not, they're no fans of mine. I definitely don't have any Swedish listeners. I mean, as of right now, I've Brazilian somehow, but not Swedish. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just going to buy some online or, or steal them. I mean, I also get reimbursed or I might get reimbursed for one of them because there's some ergonomics thing that they, this company I'm working for has done for, for the old Rona, but I'm not sure if I'm eligible. And I mean, if I'm not, I'll just, you know, when we do go back to the office, I'll just pilfer some office supplies and, you know, make up the difference that way. You know, steal a couple hundred reams of paper, some some pens, maybe a printer. Oh, boy. I don't know if you can tell by now, but there's no, uh, there's no topic this week. This is just uh, one of the chill sessions of downsizing. I have a topic for next week. I'm pretty pumped about. But this week, this is just the old sitting on the couch version of downsizing. Where maybe it seems like I've taken melatonin. But in fact, I haven't. I've had probably seven cups of coffee today. Um, anyway, uh, one thing I did want to talk about is... I've been thinking about this recently, but like, actually, one thing I, before I get to the thing I was thinking about, here's another thing I was thinking about. I think I need an app that's like Google, but it just tells me if I've talked about something on the podcast before, you know, because I really feel like I'll start talking about something and I'll be like, man, I feel like I've talked about this here before, but you know, I feel like I've forgotten like 85% of the things that have happened in my life. I mean, I, you know, I could have owned a small business and completely forgotten about it. I could have been a, maybe I was a chef when I was 18. I don't fucking remember. Um, so I don't remember if I've talked about this movie or not, but this movie is the worst movie I've ever seen. And it's not bad in a fun way. Like The Room or, you know, any of those, like Troll 2 or any of those movies, you're like, wow, this is like a certain charm for how bad it is. This movie is the cold light of day. And I saw it in theaters. And... It was one of the most surreal things I've ever witnessed. 
because you know usually you go see a movie in the theaters it's like it's either good really good or just fine you know like you just kind of forget about it i mean uh, there's a ton of movies i saw i saw mission impossible ghost protocol in theaters and I i couldn't tell you one thing that happened in that movie i can tell you that walking into the movie i saw a public security guy pacing around and inspecting a car that was parked in a parking spot just you know I don't know if he was checking the tire pressure or something but then later on friends and I were walking around the outside um it's like I don't know this was actually I think we saw it on New Year's Eve which is you know some people were going to parties some people were making out I was seeing uh Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol with three of my male friends. But we were walking around in behind kind of the, the shopping complex that sur- surrounds the movie theater. And this public security person like pulls up in a car and she's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we're just being 17, you know? And we're talking to her for a little bit and it was it was pretty chill. She, I mean, she just seemed kind of bored just talking to us for the sake of talking to us. And then all of a sudden this other dude, the, the, the parking inspector guy just rips around the corner and comes to a screeching halt next to her. You know, like she called for backup, like there was a shootout and he was ready to go, but obviously he's public security. So uh, I have it on good authority. He doesn't have a, he's not, uh, he doesn't have that motherfucking thang on him. (laughs) If you're picking up what I'm, what I'm putting down. Um, but anyway, so, and nothing really happened. He was just like, everything good here? And we're all, even the, the, even the other public security person was like, yeah, dude, relax. Like, it's fine. There's, look at these guys. They're seeing a movie on New Year's Eve. These, these guys pose no threat. Um, but the, the worst, the worst movie I ever saw was A Cold Light of Day. Now, you may have heard of this movie before. If you have... It's most likely because I've talked about it on the show before, but I don't even know where to start with this movie. I'm going to tell you the cast, and the cast is going to make you think, well, how bad could this movie possibly be? I'll tell you, because the cast includes Bruce Willis, Sigourney Weaver, and Henry Cavill. I've definitely talked about this on the podcast before. I mean... I've definitely done... This is like... If I haven't, this is literally a Mandela effect. Because I I now vividly remember... I think I was... I think it was one of the outside ones. Where I was on the balcony. Oh, boy. Well, whatever. For the new listeners. <laughs> oh, my God. I think working from home has fried my brain. Uh, for the new listeners. As if it wasn't fucked before. For the new listeners. Uh... This movie is about, so it has Bruce Willis, Sigourney Weaver, Henry Cavill. But this is like, I think he's pretty thin. This is pre, you know, yoked Henry Cavill. Um, and he plays like, he might as well play like an insurance guy. And Bruce Willis is his dad, who's like some other insurance guy. But turns out he's actually in like the CIA or something. And so he gets killed in like the first 10 minutes. Which is like, you know, a bold choice. You know, it's like, 
It's like some other movie where that happened. You know, I'm not I'm not a film buff. I don't have uh, these references off the cuff. This is this is why I write these out, you guys, because uh, I mean, I feel like I'm a shark. You know, where sharks when they sleep, they only they don't their brain doesn't fully shut off. They just use like a quarter at a time or something. I feel like that's what happens when I talk. It's, there's like the part that's talking, and that takes up like. 90% of my brain power and then 10% is thinking about what I'm talking about. So that's why if you hear me talk and say like a a word that doesn't make sense, you know, you're like, there's no way he meant that word. That's because I have a shark brain. Shark brain and lava. Well, there you go. Exhibit A, folks. I mean, that's, it is what it is. Um... But yeah, so Bruce Willis dies in the first 10 minutes. Scorner Weaver's the bad guy. But this movie feels like it was written by like an AI because it just, there's scenes that don't make sense. There's dialogue that doesn't make sense. Like, so Bruce Willis gets assassinated and then Henry Cavill has some kind of chase scene where he gets away and ends up escaping on a city bus somehow, which seems like a a bad place to escape to because you know they stop like every 45 seconds but somehow you know the elite government agents that managed to kill his cia dad you know as a as an insurance guy who's able to give them the slip but he calls his mom and he's like oh mom something happened but uh i don't know i don't know how to tell you and then she's like, well, we'll put your father on the phone. What's going on? And he's like, Mom, I I can't. And she's like, oh, don't be silly. Just put him on the phone. Put uh, put your father on the phone. He's like, ah, Mom, I, I can't. She's like, and it just goes on for like way, 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 way too long. And then I don't even remember what her actual reaction is because I was just so blown away at how much this scene didn't feel like it had any people involved in it. And then later on, keep in mind, this whole this whole movie takes place over like three days. And somehow they end up interrogating one of these government agent guys and they're like, oh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fight back. We're gonna go kill Sigourney Weaver. And someone's like, hey are you sure that you can do this? Because you were like selling insurance like two days ago and now you're gonna go take on like you know some people that probably topple governments in central america and he's like you just have to trust me and it's like why would we have to trust you (laughs) like you've no credentials be like if i just wandered into an operating room and i was like guys i got this been watching a lot of ER reruns recently, and uh, I think I can I think I can handle this. You guys use a robot now, anyway, right? You know they did surgery on a grape. Remember the old memes? Yeah, I remember the old memes. <sighs> but yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. That's that's definitely the worst movie I've ever seen. The worst book I've ever read. I didn't even read the whole thing. I just read like the first like page and a half because. It, it, you know, even it felt like it was written by a 10 year old. 
Like, but a ten year old that could that could write, you know, really well, but they're still ten, so they don't quite understand how how people work yet, you know. And this was one where it was like the guy's name was like, let's say his name was like John Grisham. The main character's name is John Grisham, and some guy comes up to him at the start and says, like, "All right, Johnny, what are we going to do next?" And then he goes, "Call me John. I only let one man call me Johnny." And then they just move on. And it's like who, who talks like that? The book was called something like Wrath of Ra. It was supposed to be about like some Egyptian gods that were coming back and causing the apocalypse or something. I don't know. As I said, I didn't read it. And actually, now that I say that, someone that would actually talk like that is Steven Seagal. For you, for those of you that, you know, are for the uninitiated, if you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with Steven Seagal, uh, watch one of his movies and then congratulations. That'll be the worst movie you've ever seen. He used to be like a an action star in like the 80s, but not like in the same way that, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme was an action star where he's doing like these high kicks and these super athletic fight scenes or like, you know, where Sylvester Stallone was an action star by being like ripped and being kind of like unique and strange and not like Bruce Willis was an action star where he's, you know, not schlubby, but he's not like super ripped, but he's got, you know, he's got a certain charm to him. You know, he's an action star and just like, he's like a guy that looks like he's, he looks like if you go to any dojo in a strip mall, he looks like the the sensei there, or he did in his heyday. But now he's taken the Marlon Brando in Heart of Darkness, or no, Apocalypse Now, the, the Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now approach to acting where you just put on 80 pounds and then are just still like, uh, I can still play an elite special forces guy just sitting down all the time and then doing like slow karate chops in your fights. He's also like seemingly best friends with like Vladimir Putin and I think renounced his U S citizenship. So all around a pretty interesting guy. And I don't think he's going to have the kind of, career renaissance that all these other guys are having, you know? There's, I think there's probably a pretty good reason why he, he wasn't in The Expendables. <sighs> yeah. Well. I You know what? <laughs> I may regret saying this at some point, given that I'm, you know, looking to make my way back into the stand-up world but I think the worst stand-up set I ever saw it was a little bit before the pandemic and I was doing this show where um, it was like you know there's however many uh, comedians that go on do like five minutes beforehand and then there's like a headliner who does like 45 minutes to an hour, you know, and show is going great. Everyone's doing well. Uh, a lot of my friends were there actually. 
And uh, then the headliner goes up. And if it was performance art, it would have been brilliant. It would have been incredible because the headliner went up on stage and for an hour talked nonstop, like didn't take a breath. And when I say that, it sounds like I'm exaggerating. Like I'm just like, oh yeah, there was, there were pauses here and there. There literally weren't like, I don't know if this guy plays the bagpipes and knows how to do circular breathing, but for an hour, he just talked and talked and talked. And at first, you know, as a stand-up audience, you're there to laugh. So you start trying, you know, the audience is trying to laugh at his jokes, but he's just talking through them. So eventually, you know, the audience keeps getting interrupted. You see it happen with like open micers all the time. Uh, you know, I say that as if I'm not an open micer, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't done a stand-up in a year and a half and I'm talking about open micers derog- derogatorily, derogatively. I think it's the second one. But, you know, where you're nervous, so you just, like, talk through these, through your, the audience laughing because you're so, like, focused on what you're trying to say and trying to get laughs. You're not even listening to the to the audience. Well, this guy's, like, a professional comedian. And he even did crowd work and didn't let people talk, which sounds impossible, but he did it multiple times where it's, you know, it'd be like, uh, Hey, uh, what do you do for a living? You look like you work pretty hard. You look like, Oh, what do you, you look like a doctor? What are you a doctor? Oh man, I went to the doctor once. And it's just like, what the fuck's going on? It was insane. I've never, it was, the audience was dead silent for 53 minutes, just dead silent. And usually I feel like you would at some point pick up on that and kind of slow down, but this just dude just barreled through. It was incredible. I, I don't know if he was on Coke. Kind of hope he was. But something tells me maybe not. If it was a play, it would have been incredibly impressive. Like, to to actually, that was weird. That was like, almost like a Philip Seymour Hoffman breath. I mean, R.I.P., but still. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's, I think it's, it's good to look back on on some of the worst things you've ever seen. Like, everyone talks about the best thing they've ever seen. I don't even know what the best thing I've ever seen is. And I mean, I own a mirror, so. <laughs> oh boy! I mean, what a what a note to what a note to end on. You know what I mean? I mean, that was that was barely a joke. That was like. Not even a Seinfeld joke. It wasn't even a dad joke. That was just a uh, an anti-joke. That was a statement. That's what that was. Not even a... That wasn't even a remark or a observation. It was just a statement. Not even a statement of fact. Usually statements are facts. But not this time. All right. Well... I mean, that's as good as it's going to get, folks. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> As always, you can you can send me an email at downsizingpod at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram at accessfully underscore Caucasian. Uh, feel free to let me know if this is the worst podcast you've ever listened to. <laughs> oh, maybe it's time I get a co-host. Tune in next week to see if I hire a co-host. Now that marijuana has been legalized across most of North America, we've seen a real outpouring of artisanal, bespoke pieces for cannabis use. You have bongs that are incredible works of art, pipes to suit any taste, beautifully rolled joints, anything you can imagine. It's never been a better time to pass it on the left-hand side, as they say. But what if weed isn't your thing? What if you like to dance to the beat of a different drum? Well, you're going to be left in the dust. Or so you may have thought, but now, thanks to this week's sponsor, you couldn't be more wrong. Terry's Paraphernalia caters to a clientele that have gone off the beaten path into hard drugs. Until they came along, if you wanted to smoke crack, why, he only had one option of glassware. Crack pipes. Such an uninspired design. Thanks to Terry, while your friends are lighting up bongs shaped like anglerfish or smoking their high-tech vapes, you could feel right at home next to them smoking crack out of a specially made corncob pipe. Now, if crack's not your thing, don't tune out now. Terry has a little something for everyone. You want an IV bag full of heroin? Who doesn't? Ecstasy Pez dispenser? Way ahead of you. Solid gold razor to line up your coke? How about a five-pack? No matter your vice, Terry's got something nice. For uppers, downers, Terry allows for no frowners. And for a limited time... My listeners get 20% off their first purchase when you mention downsizing at checkout. So take a look, browse through their wares, and remember, by law, you have to tell them if you're a cop.